What are you doing? He asked me. I said, I'm driving. Pull over. So I pulled over. He said, come in this parking lot and circle around here. So I pulled in the parking lot and circled around here. And he pointed through the windshield. He said, do you see that right there? I said, yeah, Dad. He said, that is a flashing red light. That means you're supposed to stop. I said, I didn't see it. It's like, do it again. My mom was the one who primarily taught me how to drive, but on this day, I was out with my dad. So we circled around the parking lot, got back on the road, kept going. What are you doing, he asked. You didn't stop. I said, it wasn't on that time. Pull in the parking lot and do it again. It was on. You've got to stop at a flashing red light. Okay, go back out on the road, driving through. He just threw up his hands that time. He said, what are you doing? I said, I just missed it that time, Dad. I'm really sorry. I was flustered. I was freaking out. He's like, just drive home. I look over. The man is holding on to the oh crap handle next to the door that some of you, some of you know all too well. Because every time your spouse drives, you're hanging on to it for dear life. He's, he's hanging on to that with all his might, like that's going to save him. I don't know. I'm on the inside lane on a four-lane road next to the double yellow line. And all of a sudden, he starts yelling out, watch out, watch out. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what? He's like, the mailboxes. You're so close to the mailboxes. I'm like, there is another lane to our right, Dad. I'm nowhere even near the mailboxes. What are you talking about? And that was the day we decided my mom was just going to finish teaching me how to drive. And I would never again drive with my father until I had my license and I was much older in life. His definition of close and my definition of close were two different things. Now, granted, he'd had a stressful time with me missing a flashing red light that I still, I still would, I still would argue was not operational the first two times I went through it. The third time, I had no excuse. I was just flustered and didn't know what I was doing. But those first two times, as sure as I'm standing here today, I will tell you that flashing red light was not flashing, and therefore, you didn't need to worry about it. But, and I was nowhere, nowhere near those mailboxes. Sometimes people have different perspectives of things. And sometimes those perspectives cloud how, how we see situations. Uh, we're going to see that today as, as we conclude our look at Outsourced. That's been our look at seeing how we as people who follow Jesus have an immense privilege, but also an obligation to serve Jesus. And so if you have your phones or your tablets, we'd invite you to follow along in the Bible app. It's a great resource you can download for free. Otherwise, the verses will be on the screens, but we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture today from 1 Peter, from 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He followed Jesus through his ministry for three and a half years. Uh, Peter was a very outspoken person, and he ended up writing a couple books in the New Testament. And the first one is where we're going to be looking today as we start in verse, in verse 7 of 1 Peter 4, where we read these words. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. 
for the sake of your prayers. Let me read that again. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, you might be scratching your head a little bit like, like I was when I read this for the first time because this was a letter that Peter wrote 2,000 years ago, and he's saying, the end of all things is at hand, and here we are 2,000 years later, and we still haven't seen the conclusion of history. The reality is this. Every generation has thought they're living in the last days. Every generation has thought that the world was ending. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, I've got great news for you, that Jesus is coming back. I don't know when. I, I, he, he, didn't, he didn't choose to share that with me, so I can't tell you when. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I can tell you he's going to do it because every promise God has made, he has kept, and Jesus said, I will return. So he will come back, just not really sure when. But in light of all of eternity, in light of all of eternity, in light of all that, in light of God's plan, these are the last days because Jesus came and he fulfilled his mission of making a way for us to be redeemed to God. But that doesn't change the fact that every generation has thought that the end was at hand. The disciples, they thought they were going to see the return of Jesus in their lifetime. In fact, Jesus told them, go and share my message. And they responded by doing nothing. Literally, they stayed where they were in Jerusalem. And it wasn't until God sent persecution that they actually left where they were all gathered and where they had been in order to go and fulfill the mission that God sent them on. So every generation has thought that the end of the world is near. But that doesn't diminish the fact that our hearts should break with the angst and anguish that we see constantly on display. Our world is chaotic. The turmoil is only increasing. And my fear is that things are going to only get worse before they get better. People are angry. They're unsettled. They're out of control. And this is not a political statement at all. I don't care where you align politically. Just telling you that when we look at everything on display right now, the chaos goes outside of God's created order. It goes outside of the way that God would have things function. And every time, every time we as individuals or we as society step outside of the way that God has told us to function, every single time, there are consequences. God puts parameters in place because he loves us and he wants to protect us. And one of the ways that God does that is through the use of government. We see that in Romans 13. We see that in 1 Peter. We see that throughout the New Testament. And you might say, but, but from my perspective, you might say the government is unjust and we must, we must do something about the injustice. Are you saying we shouldn't do anything about injustice? I'm not saying that at all, but understand 
that when those words were written in Scripture, there was persecution towards those who followed Jesus. So as people who follow Jesus, we must, we must remember that this world and this chaos is not our home and it is not our destiny. But we must also remember that it impacts us. It impacts us. It impacts our first responders. It impacts our children. It impacts our neighbors. It impacts all of us at some level or another. So do I think the end of the world's at hand? I don't know. But every generation has thought that. I do know that ultimately Jesus wins in the end and we can have hope. And I'm going to tell you how we should live as a result of all that's going on. But right now, I just want us to pause. I want us to pray for our police. I want us to pray for our first responders. I want us to pray for our government. I want us to pray for our nation. I want us to pray for each other. That we'd stop seeing people according to their politics. And we'd see people with the heart that Jesus does. And that we would refuse to become jaded. We would refuse to become uncaring. We would refuse to become filled with angst. And we would rest in the fact that God is greater and he's in control. Please pray with me. God, I just, I pray right now for our country. I pray for all of us. I pray for the anger and the division. And I pray, God, that as we, people who follow you, we would remember that ultimately this place is not our home. And we would take solace in the fact that you are greater than the chaos. You are greater than the anger. You are greater than the angst. God, I pray for our police. I pray that you would protect them. I pray for those who feel like they are systematically opposed. And I pray, God, that if they go about seeking reform, that they would do so in a way that is conducive to furthering peace. I pray, God, for everybody in our government, and I pray that you'd give them wisdom. And I pray, God, that all the change that this world needs could start with us. And it would start with us by seeing people as you see them. Loving our neighbor and our enemy. And taking rest in the fact that you are greater and you have overcome. Help us trust in you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. What's he say in light of the end being at hand? What's he say? He says, control yourself. <laughs> he says, control yourself. You're a follower of Jesus? Control yourself. Be self-controlled and sober-minded. 
Control your actions. You know the best way to control your actions? Control your thoughts. Control your thoughts. Now, this idea of having to control your thoughts means there are going to be times that things are in our minds that aren't beneficial to us. There is a war that is waged in your head. It's you and your spirit against the thoughts in your head. And if you, if you find yourself there, especially in intense times in your life, that this war, can, it can be crippling because the thoughts that you know you don't believe in your soul just keep coming back and they, keep, they just keep holding you back. And in your soul, you know these are not things that I believe, but you wrestle with the fact of how could I be thinking through so many things so often that I do not believe. And when the intrusive thoughts come, they're not thoughts that you want to share with anyone because, again, there's something that you don't necessarily believe. That's one category. But what about those thoughts that you do believe? But that don't tie into the best part of you, the part that God has redeemed. What about those thoughts that you do believe, but the reason that you believe them is because they're tied into the old you, the person you were before you made the decision to follow Jesus. And those thoughts are even more dangerous sometimes because those thoughts feel good. You ever respond in anger? You ever write the email response and not sit on it for a day before you push send? Or have somebody else read it? And when you allow those thoughts to to be at the forefront of your mind, then those are the thoughts that control what you do. He says, as as followers of Jesus who understand the grand scheme of eternity, that the end is near, he says, control yourself and control your thoughts. This needs to be our response as people who follow Jesus, that we live self-controlled lives in a time and in a world where nobody else is under control. We need to be people who live controlled Why? For the sake of your prayers. It is impossible to experience the fullness of God in prayer with a life and mind that is out of control. It is impossible to experience the fullness of God in prayer that God desires all of us to experience. It is impossible to do that with a life and a mind that is out of control. He goes on in verse 8, he says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, keep loving each other earnestly. Love with effort. Love with effort. Anybody who's married can tell you how hard this is. Because familiarity breeds contempt. It just does. When you fall in love, it's easy, it's natural, it feels good, it's new, it's exciting. When you've been married for three years, you just wonder, like, is there a reason they can't wash a dish? Is there a reason they can't find the hamper with their dirty clothes? 
Is there a reason they've never understood that they can actually take a vacuum attachment out to the garage and sweep out the car? Is there a reason they've never figured out that you can hook up a hose to the side of the house and wash a car? Is there a reason they haven't figured out that you can go to the gas station on certain days and get a discounted car wash? Is there a reason they haven't figured out to put a little bit of gasoline in the tank while they're at that gas station? Is there a reason they haven't figured out that they can walk to the mailbox and get the mail? Like, there's, there's all these things. Is there a reason they haven't figured out they can pull a couple sheets up and make the bed? Is there a reason they haven't figured out they don't need to watch sports every single night of their life? Is there a reason they haven't figured out they don't need to go to Target and spend 14 hours there? Is there a reason they haven't figured out 37 guns is enough in the basement? Whatever. That's not about the Second Amendment, by the way. For those of you who have more than 37, I don't care. It's just, just talking, all right? We're just talking here. So settle down. I don't need the angry email. I don't care how many guns you own. Whatever. You do you. But here's the deal. You weren't feeling any of that when you fell in love. And that's somebody you're married to. Like, what about each other? The closer you grow, the more the flaws are on display. And familiarity breeds contempt. And that's why he says, love each other earnestly. Put some work and effort into it. It's not always going to be easy. But work at it. Love each other and work at it. And, and refuse, refuse to just fall into that trap where it's so easy to allow contempt to come into the picture. And just choose instead to see and believe the best in each other and work at it. And why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. It was love that led Jesus to the cross to pay the ultimate price for our sin. And it's also love that allows us to see beyond one another's faults and flaws. Keep loving each other earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. A few years ago, my wife came in and told me she wanted to have a brunch at our house for all of her high school friends. Woohoo! Great. That's the day I found out that they start showing movies some weekends at 9.15 in the morning. And I went and left the boys at the house. And it was fine. Her friends brought over their kids as well. But I was, I was just not at, not at all excited about that event. Not at all excited. I mean, so much so that I went to a movie and ate popcorn at 9 o'clock in the morning. I helped her clean up. I helped her get the house ready. I offered to help her cook. She's like, no. I offered to pour juice, because you, uh, apparently you can't just have juice in the plastic container that it comes in. It needs to be in a pitcher. I'm like, who, who are you? You've never been like this before in your life, but she wanted to have a nice brunch for all her friends. I'm like, all right, whatever. She said, I... I appreciate you helping, but I just wish if you were going to help that you'd have a better attitude about it.
my initial response was going to be great. I'll quit helping, but I decided to just let that one sit for a while. And after I came back from the theater, I said, how'd it go? And she said, great. I'm like, that's good. It's good. Ended up that God used that brunch for her to have some spiritual conversations with some people. She was really excited about that. And I felt like a really big jerk. I mean, the movie was still good, don't get me wrong, but I, I still, I felt like a jerk, like the whole time, like I should have had a better attitude about this. And this is one of the hard things in life, that our attitudes are just as important as our actions. Our attitudes are just as important as our actions. He says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Be generous with what you have. Show hospitality to one another. But it's not enough just to show the hospitality to one another. You also have to do it with the right attitude. So do it without grumbling. And he goes on in verse 10, and he says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God has equipped you with a gift. He's equipped all of us with a gift. But God has equipped you with a gift. Use it for good. Use it. To serve one another. What about these gifts? Well, they're unique and they're varied. The gift that God has given you does not look like the gift that God has given me and vice versa. They're unique and they're varied. And as a result of that, sometimes people really struggle with understanding this concept. And sometimes they'll go to 1 Corinthians and, and read passages in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and Romans 12 and, and read read some other portions of Scripture, and try to really discover, according to this list of spiritual gifts, where they lie on the spectrum. And they get so caught up in that thought process that they just don't, they just don't look and see what comes naturally. What has God given you that, that makes your heart beat? What has God enabled you to do that is your passion? We make this more difficult than it has to be, like we do with so many things in, in terms of our spirituality. And it doesn't have to be that difficult. Here's the deal. Find what you're passionate about. Find what you love to do. Find what makes you feel like a sense of accomplishment and good when you serve. And then get out of the way and go do it. Go do it. Your passions are going to look differently than my passions and vice versa because our gifts look differently and our perspectives are different. And all of that is great because all of it is unique and it's varied so that you have influence with people I'll never have influence and I have influence with people you'll never have influence. And all of that is by God's grand design. So find the things that you're passionate about. Find the things that bring you joy and fulfillment and do them. And then the first part of verse 11 says this, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. So if you, if you teach, 
if you present. He says, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Do it. He says, if you're a teacher, then teach. If you're a presenter, then present. God's given you that gift. Use it. Verse 11 goes on and it says this, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. You ever met a person like that? You ever met somebody who's just a servant? I mean, let me tell you how you can find somebody who has this spiritual gift, who has the spiritual gift of service. They own a pickup truck, all right? If you own a pickup, I'm telling you, if you own a pickup truck, you have this spiritual gift. You just do. You might not even know it yet, but you've got the spiritual gift. Because if you have a pickup truck, you're, you're, I guarantee you're the type of person that as soon as you hear the need, you're like, let me know. And you, you actually mean it. Like a lot of people say, yeah, let me know. And they're like, great. Now we can have the backup plan ready to go. So that when they let us know, we'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I would love to, but can't do it that. But you're the person that's like, no, I will actually clear my schedule to come. You said power tools? Yes, I am there. Awesome. Like this, this is a, somebody who's a servant. They just, they are there for people. And they don't care what it is. They just want to be there to help. And their gift, it, it looks a little different. And it looks a little different based on their unique personality. It looks different for all of them. But what's in common is that they just have a heart. They just have a heart to help people. And then verse 11 continues with these words. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The reality is it's all about God's fame whether that's somebody who stands and, and proclaims Scripture or whether that's somebody who washes dishes, there's no difference in God's sight. No gift is better than another. One gift may be seen by more people, but that doesn't diminish the importance of any other gift. And at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus anyway. It should never be about the person who has the gift. It always must be so that the cause of Christ is furthered and that there is attention paid on Jesus and what he has done so that God would be glorified and people would discover a relationship with Jesus and grow closer to him. That is what it's all about. It's all about God's glory and his fame. So, how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, a couple things. First is we're going to be launching something new on the Lakeside website uh, coming up in a few weeks. We're, we're still developing it. Uh, and the reason that we're still developing it is, is because we just thought of it. And it's, it's really embarrassing to, I mean, it's not right now. I mean, this not, yeah, not like this instant, uh, but, but this week. And it's something we, we should have thought about a long time ago, transparently, uh, but we didn't. So 
or bad, you know, sorry about that. Uh, but, but we thought of it now, which should be good. But we're going to be developing a help wanted section on our website. And we're going to let you know just tangible ways where you can get plugged in and you can get involved because we want to make serving God in the context of Lakeside as easy as possible for everyone. And there are going to be opportunities up there that are recurring and there are going to be opportunities up there that are one time only. Because we want to make this easy. We want to make this easy for you. And so we're going to put that on the website. I started thinking through, and, and the danger of this is I'm going to miss some, something, and, and I feel terrible about that. What I'm about to do is I'm just about to, just about to list some of the, some of the things that I, I, I've seen people from Lakeside do in the context of Lakeside, and the, the danger of this is I feel like I'm going to miss somebody, and if I miss what you do to serve, understand, I... I that's not intentional, and I'm not trying. I just feel like somebody who's, who's won a Grammy and getting up and, and trying to name every, everybody that's had any part to do on the album or the song, and I'm going to forget somebody, and it doesn't mean that what you do isn't important. So I just want to give you that disclaimer, but I just provide this list so that, peop- so that you know no matter what it is that God has wired you to do, there's opportunity for you here. And we want you to get plugged in, and we want you to serve. But we have an incredible team of volunteers. We have a team of volunteers who helps us save thousands of dollars a year because they come up and they cut the lawn. They literally save us thousands of dollars a year. And there's a rotation of people that do that, so they have to do it, I think, once every six or seven weeks. We have, we have people here who love to encourage other people. And so if you share with us your birthday... It's not so that we can steal your identity when you fill out your connection form, but it's so that people can let you know that we're thinking of you and we love that you're part of Lakeside. And so they fill out a card and they send it to you in the mail because especially right now where everybody feels alone and isolated, it just feels so good to know that somebody cares and somebody's thinking of you. We have a team of people they come in, and they run sound. They make it so that you can hear Derek and the band. They make it so that everything's running smoothly. And the, the problem with, with a job like running sound is you only realize they're here when something's going wrong. I mean, as the sound guy or lady, you never want anybody to be looking at you. Because if people are looking at you, you're like, oh, crap, something's wrong. You just know. You're like, I, don't want, I want to stare at the back of everybody's head all day and them not even know I'm here. That's what you're going for. That's really what you want. But they come and they, they come to practice and, and they, they are here early on Sunday morning and they make it so that things in the service run smoothly, hope, hopefully. We have people who operate cameras. We never, we never wanted to start streaming our services. Because as soon as you start streaming your services, whether it's fair or not, and it's not fair, but I'm not going to whine, that's life. As soon as you start streaming your services, everybody compares us to the church of 10,000 people who has a budget 100 times ours and has four full-time people doing that job. But we have volunteers who come in every week and run cameras so that we can stream, so that our services can go out to people in this time of social distancing and how God has used this in 
incredible ways when I'm like, we will never do that. And God's like, yes, you will. And not only that, but I'm going to use it so that you reach more people with the hope of Jesus. And so thank you for them. And thank you, God, for rescuing me from my stupidity. We, we have people who come and produce the stream because we have multiple camera angles and we have lyrics that want to be going out over the stream in scripture we have people who come and they volunteer to teach kids the hope of jesus we have people who sign up in wisconsin to shovel snow now not like the we pay to have the parking lot plowed we're we're not yeah we're not that cruel but we have people who sign up to to shovel snow who to shovel off the the sidewalks we have people who come and serve coffee. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we have hot chocolate and tea available by request. Even some apple cider occasionally. And I have it on good authority. And I'm, I hate to share this with you, but I have it on good authority. We even have Coke available that if you ask for it, you can get a Coke. Um, I just realized that I'm, you know, just going to have to buy more Coke for my office now. But we have all that available, and we have people, we have people who sign up and, and just want to serve you with all of that to make your time here comfortable. We have people who count money because we believe that we need to be good stewards of everything that God entrusts us with. So never at Lakeside, never at Lakeside is any one person alone with money. And we have a team of volunteers who come in and make sure that we can say that we are operating with integrity so that you can give with confidence. We have people who assist whenever there's a construction project. We just started streaming a few, a few weeks ago. If you look back there, and you can look right now, it's fine because the sound's running great. So you can look back by the sound booth or by the video booth, and you see these new construct, these, these camera booths. Those weren't here uh, five or six weeks ago. But we had a team of people who constructed things. We have a team of people who come in and volunteer in the office to make sure that everything runs as smoothly as possible. We have a team of people who play and sing in the band. With the exception of Derek, everybody up here is volunteering. We have a team of people who host services. And if you started coming to Lakeside during the pandemic, our, our hope is you've never, you've never felt ignored. We've, we've dialed it back because we, we don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. But our hope is that you've never felt ignored. And that a host of a service has always said hello to you and made you feel welcome. The handshakes are gone. The, the hugs are gone. But we still want you to feel welcome. We have an entire team of guest services that wants to make your, your visit to Lakeside comfortable. We have a team of people who pours into students every Wednesday night. Student ministry from 6.30 to 8.00 student ministry. We have a team of people who pour into students, and students, if, if you're not currently coming to that, you're missing out on a great time. We hung out last Wednesday, and we had a movie. It was awesome. So we have a team of people who volunteer and pour into students. We have a team of people who assemble welcome gifts because we want everybody to know when they come to Lakeside that they matter to us and they matter to God. 
We have a team of people who take care of babies, who love on your kids so that you're able to drop them off and come in and worship and engage with Scripture. We have a team of people who prepares meals for people, who prepares meals for students. I know we have people when others are going through hard times or celebrating a new birth, who provide them with food. We have a team of people who run our technology. And a team of people where you're going to be hearing more about this starting next Sunday because signups are going live next Sunday, but we have a team of people who lead small groups to help people get connected on a deeper level. We're going to make it easier to get involved in all of this. The question I have for you is a person who follows Jesus. In this age of uncertainty, where our world def- definitely needs Jesus and desperately needs Jesus, is how can you help? How can you help? Maybe it's once a quarter. Maybe it's once a month. Maybe it's every week. And there's different times in our lives where we have more time than not, more margin than not, but how can you help? What are you passionate about? And once you answer that question, I say, great. I'll just go do it. And if you're like, but I don't know how that fits into the life of Lakeside, my email address is brian, with an I, at lakeside-church.com. Because God has given us varied passions. God has given us varied gifts. And don't be waiting on us to create something that God has given you a passion for. You let us know how we can help you. God, I pray in a time and in a world that's out of control that we would be people who boldly and passionately lift your name high that we would love others, that we would serve others. And we would serve you. God, our prayer is that we would see people move one step closer to you as a result of being at Lakeside. Our prayer is that we would see people find a relationship with you as a result of being at Lakeside. And I pray, no matter what the passions and gifts are, that people would utilize them here for your glory and your fame. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.